Hey guys, this is the Road to Medical Sales Podcast brought to you by Legacy Now Coaching. Make sure to please press that subscribe button, rate us, and leave us a review on whatever platform that you listen to podcasts so that we can continue to grow and impact others out there. Today, we have the great pleasure of speaking to Dr. Amar Karim. We have previously only had one orthopedic surgeon on the podcast, so we wanted to bring on Dr. Karim because gaining the perspective of an orthopedic trauma surgeon is not only really exciting, but it's going to be packed with incredible insight. Dr. Karim is a fellowship-trained orthopedic trauma surgeon that specializes in complex orthopedic trauma cases. Dr. Karim attended medical school at the University of Medicine and Dentistry of New Jersey. He went on to complete his residency training at Rowan University in Glassboro, New Jersey. From there, he completed his trauma fellowship at Grant Medical Center in Columbus, Ohio. Dr. Karim is an unbelievable talent, and he's a skilled surgeon in the operating room. But he also just has a huge heart and truly cares about his patients. This episode will be a two-part series because there's just so much value to share. So hold on tight. Part one starts now. With that being said, Dr. Karim, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So the world of orthopedic trauma is unique. Why did you become a surgeon and why did you choose trauma? That's a good question. I wish I had an answer that I just had an epiphany one day and I decided trauma was the best thing for me. But that question is actually kind of long-winded. When I was getting into medicine, it's kind of funny. I thought I was going to be a cardiologist, (laughs) you know, like the furthest thing from orthopedics. I went to med school. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do cardiology. And then, you know, when I went through med school, one of the first classes you take is anatomy, right? So I'm in the anatomy lab and we're dissecting out, we're working on the upper extremity, we're dissecting out the brachial plexus and all the insertions and origins of the muscles there. And I'm like, I love this. This is what I see myself doing. So I was like, maybe I should be a surgeon. And that's how I got it. And we went through anatomy and, you know, you do the abdomen and all of the other, like the internal organs and everything like that. And the thing that struck me the most was the musculoskeletal system. And I just loved that. And so it was almost like a switch went off and it was like, there was nothing else. There was just orthopedics. So at that point I was hundred percent all in to orthopedics. And that was what I was gunning for, for my entire medical school career. So I got into orthopedics and then within orthopedics, there's obviously different subspecialties, right? There's hand, there's spine, there's arthroplasty, there's trauma. And again, kind of how life takes you different directions. I always thought that I would go into arthroplasty, right? Because I like the surgical approaches. I like the surgeries, the procedures. So my first three years in residency, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do total joints. That's cool. And then my third year in my residency, when we did our trauma rotations, so I did my trauma rotation there. And we talked about this before. It's kind of almost like God's work these patients come in and they're just messed up, man. You know, people coming in with bad car accidents, falls from a heights or pedestrian struck. 
And literally like everything is broken, pelvis, hip socket, extremities, periarticular injuries. And they come to you at kind of this really terrible low point in their life. And as a trauma surgeon, you can really help them. You literally put these people back together. And that was just so exciting. And it was something that I think was really rewarding because I felt like it was meaningful, like you made a difference. And I don't mean to take anything away from any other specialties because I still do. I still love total joints, but someone who comes in like a lady who has really bad knees and she can't walk. And that could be really crippling for her, but at the end of the day, she can still walk and do things. But someone who literally has bilateral pilon fractures may never walk again, you know, and if you help them like, yeah, they probably won't ever be back to normal, but you can at least get them back on their feet. And that's really exciting. I absolutely love that. It just brings a lot of meaning. Yeah. So I think you already kind of covered it in that response, but you know, I'm just curious, what do you find the most rewarding about your job? And what do you find the most challenging about your job? Being able to help these patients at their kind of time of most need is very rewarding, but just as a technical aspect, trauma is so great because it's so cerebral. You can work in any part of the body and then in each part of the body, there's different ways to fix different things. And there is science behind how you fix it. The science of internal fixation is so vast and so deep. When I was making my decision on what I want to do, one of my mentors told me, you should do the thing where you're okay doing the day-to-day procedures, but it's also the thing that you like reading day-to-day about. So total joints was great. I love it and I still do, but I didn't like reading the articles that came out because they were like, oh, liposomal bupivacaine is great because it helps people's pain. I was like, yeah, that's great, but it's not really exciting to me. But like with trauma, there'll be articles coming out on like new ways of fixation and reduction techniques and new approaches. And I'm sure there's those articles in Total Joints, but like with trauma, it was just, I loved reading about it. And then the second part of the question was, what's the most challenging thing? That's a really profound question because when we go through residency, it's almost like we're there acutely in the OR and we fix these people up or these patients up, I'm sorry. And it's like, the x-rays look great. Wound closed great. 100%, they're going to love it. Patient's going to do great. But you don't see that patient in follow-up. I have found that in actual practice, being an attending follow-up can be some of the most difficult portions of the practice because now you see patients who may have complications that you have to deal with. You see patients that, have issues with the recovery that you don't necessarily see when you just fix them and you're out as a resident. You have to deal with all the small little things. You may do such a great job. X-rays may look perfect, but why isn't the patient getting better? Why do they still have pain? And you have to be a detective and figure that stuff out. And then you have to deal with that stuff. The follow-up I think is we don't think about that stuff that much when we're in training At least I didn't. I'm sure there's people who do, but because it's not like cool, it's not sexy. You know, it's not like I'm a surgeon because I like to operate. The operating room is where I'm supposed to be. But I mean, sometimes the clinic is the hardest place to be of all. That's what I find is the biggest challenge is that you're not just dealing with 
patients who are asleep on the table at some point they wake up and then they still have problems and you still have to deal with it. Yeah. So that's a big one. You know, it's something too, is reps they might not think about too, yeah, right? Exactly, Cause you're just yeah. there, you're focused on the one case, making sure the case goes as smooth as possible. But that whole other aspect into things is, is a lot of pressure for you. And it's a huge part of it. You know, now it's interesting how your viewpoints change because it used to be my viewpoint was the OR was everything. But now, like, you know, in trauma, you don't really develop a relationship with the patient before you operate on them. They come in emergently or urgently, and then you, you may see them the day before or the day of you take them to the OR and then, you know, a couple hours in the OR and then that's it. But then really, that's just the start of your relationship with that patient. It's just the start of it. And yeah, maybe those two hours in the OR are really important, but just as important or even more so important is the three months to a year or longer that you're following that patient. So patients often ask me, they're like, so where do we go from here? And, and I tell them, oh, well, we're going to become best friends for the next year or so. Because it's not like set it and forget it. It's not like you operate on them and, and you leave. It's like you operate on them and they're yours and you're theirs, you know? So it's a relationship. So what do you look for in a good, solid rep? I kind of told you guys before that I had a mentor before who kind of told me about this thing called the three A's. And what the three A's are is ability, availability, and affability. So if I can, I'll go through those things and, and kind of relate that into the medical rep world. Ability, like as a surgeon, that's your ability to do the surgery and do a good job. But I think as a medical device rep or something like that, the ability is really your knowledge of your product. So you have to know your product inside and out. So there's times when in the trauma world, the surgeon may be thrown into a case or something. Like I said, you probably met that patient like a couple minutes before the surgery and you may have to do some sort of procedure, but maybe you haven't used this implant before. At that point, you're kind of relying on the rep to really give you the ins and outs of that. Maybe you're in a new practice where they're saying, well, you have to use this certain device or something like that. So you kind of rely on the rep to help you with that. At the same time, I truly believe that the surgeon needs to know the product inside and out as well. But sometimes you just don't have time to do that, right? The other thing with that is the role that the rep can play in the operating room. What I mean by that is you're not there to sell a product, right? I kind of see it as like you're there as a support staff almost. So in trauma, we often operate nights, weekends. There's a trauma team, the scrub techs and circulating nurses and stuff that do trauma. But sometimes there's not. Sometimes you're operating in the middle of the night and maybe you have the cardiac scrub tech, right? Who doesn't know what a screw is or what a plate is or anything like that. And I think that's really more than the last point I made. That's the, one of the most valuable things that a rep can do is they can kind of prepare and walk that scrub tech through the case. So they know, okay, so you'll have to get this screwdriver for this part of the case. And he's probably going to pick from either that one third tubular plate or mini frag plate or recon plate or whatever. And he's going to need 
these set of reduction clamps. So make sure you open up those. He's going to need a femoral distractor. So make sure you have that ready. And it just makes things run smoothly. It's like, okay, he's going to do a cephalomedullary nail. So he's going to want this opened up. So this is the nail. This is how you set it up on the outrigger. Make sure you have these K wires available. Once he does this step, then he's going to be ready for this lag screw for the next step. So I think that's an invaluable part of the representation. I think that's really invaluable. And then one last part that I would make in terms of the ability portion of it is for the reps to know like the breadth of their catalog. You know, if I could just do like a quick like case example, I'm trauma, but sometimes I'm like the de facto like pussed out joints guy. So, (laughs) 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 so I had this case where I had to revision like knee and I had to convert it to a DFR. It was actually a failed periprosthetic fracture and I was concerned about infection there. So I was like, well, I may have to stage this, do two surgeries, put an antibiotic spacer and then come back and do the DFR. My rep was like, you know, we have this product in our catalog. It's called like an alpha defense in lateral flow thing. Here's the literature on it. It's, you know, 90% sensitive, 95% specific for infection. You just draw some fluid and check out right there in, in the OR if this thing is infected. So I was like, oh, that's really great. I did not know about that, but he brought that to my attention. I was like, this affects my surgical planning for the case. So then my plan changed. So I was like, maybe I can do this in a single stage. So I did that. It wasn't infected. We just did the whole surgery. That was great. Save the patient another surgery. You know what I mean? So yeah, as a rep, like realize that you are part of the patient's care and you can really affect that. Well, and then two, we were talking before we got on here, it's not only knowing your own product catalog, but also being aware and somewhat educated in even your competitors' product catalogs, right? Because yes, we have a quota that we have to hit, but at the end of the day, your number one priority should be the patient on the table. Yeah, absolutely. And and you and your surgeon share that same common interest and focus. So you know, even if you don't have something that might be the best option for that patient, yeah, you might lose a sale. Yeah. But if you can refer, get your other competitive colleague, hey, Dr. Krim's got this. Do you have anything to, for this type of case? And that is a huge point because I think as surgeons, like we know when the rep is trying to make a sale versus when they're actually trying to help. And that's one of my pet peeves is when I feel like a rep is trying to be too salesy. I'm just like, nah, bro, nah, it's not going to work. Sorry. No, I just want somebody who's there to help support what we're doing, who's knowledgeable, who cares about taking care of patients. I know it's a sales job, but it's medical sales, right? Medical comes first. So at the end of the day, we're all trying to take care of our patients. You know what I mean? And you gain a lot of trust and respect. Absolutely. So the second A is availability, right? And you kind of touched on that. It's just being there, supporting the case. And even if it's not like your stuff, just helping out, being available. I kind of talked about it before, being there early. If you develop a relationship with the surgeon and you know kind of his or her steps, you can like prep the scrub techs and help them with that. If you have a good relationship with the surgeon and they don't mind being bothered. I don't mind people texting me or whatever. I always have my phone on. Keep the lines of communication open because that's an important thing, right? Because something may come in in the middle of the night and you have to put it on the next morning. So 
I may be texting somebody at like 2 a.m. in the morning. Or I've had reps text me late and I don't mind it because we're just trying to get things ready for the case. Maybe some surgeons might not like that, but I don't mind it. Okay, this thing is important for me. And I think it says a lot about the character of a rep is being available for cases, even if it's not in your best interest or if you don't make a big commission off of it, right? So let's say I'm taking out some hardware from a company that I don't really use or we mentioned before that hip stem that was modular at the head and neck junction that like everyone's just, they just don't do well and you have to take it out. Be there for that. You know what I mean? Because we as surgeons need you to help us in terms of if there's any like special tricks or any special extraction materials that we may need to take out that stuff. And yeah, you may not be getting a commission on that, but it shows that you're hardworking and you're there to be supportive of what we're trying to achieve. I've always been a big believer of actions speak louder than words. So when I see that, I see that you're willing to be there and to be supportive and to really help the patient. So then I'm more willing to be like, next time I need something from their catalog, I'm like, okay, I know I can trust these guys. So I'm more willing to reach out and stuff. You know what I mean? It shows that you truly care and you're not just chasing a paycheck. Exactly. And then the last one was affability, being a decent human, be nice to everyone. And this goes for me as well. And other surgeons, high ranking surgeons or whatever, be nice to everyone, including the OR staff, including the janitor. You know what I mean? Because I think that really shows like true colors. Every rep is going to be nice to me because I'm the surgeon. If I see a guy be nice to me, but then doesn't hold a door open for somebody or acts like a dick to somebody else. If I could go back to the last point I made about being available, I wanted to touch upon a story. So I had this case that I had to extract bilateral total knees and do a two-stage revision for a patient with periprosthetic infected total knees. And I'm not going to say what company it was or who the rep was or anything. I reached out to this implant company, which the knees were. And I was like, hey, man, I'm explanting these knees. I'm going to put an antibiotic spacer in there. If you can have your stuff there, because, you know, you need specific instrumentation there. And then the morning of, I went to do the case. They had sent the very beginner, lowliest person who was just in charge of their spacers, not their actual joints. He was like, oh, I don't know if the other guys are coming. And the other guy didn't show up until I had called them. So then that led to a delay in the case because we didn't have the instrumentation and things like that. So that right there, that's a huge red flag. And that lets me know what you care about, right? You don't care about supporting the person. You care about your profit. Because at the end of the day, total knee is total knee, right? Maybe there's one that's a little better than the other, but at the end of the day, they all function the same, you know? Same goes with plates and screws, nails, whatever. And I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate on this one because, I mean, I'm not a total joint rep, but I know what a total joint rep's life looks like. And I also know the expectations that these big corporate companies put on these sales reps. You have to really be able to prioritize not only multitask, but you're faced with these tough decisions of, do I go support Dr. Karim's case? Cause I know this would be really important to him. 
Or do I focus on this is my first case with a competitive type surgeon? If the rep had to choose, maybe they would go to your type case. But these corporate companies just put so much pressure on you to grow your business and they increase your quota 20, 30%. It's a lose lose situation for the rep, right? Because, you know, they might have to send an associate to cover your case. But that too, it could be the rep maybe didn't handle it the right way. There is a solution to that. And the solution is communication, right? So just reach out to your surgeon, right? And say, hey, there's only one of us working right now. And we have a ton of cases to cover. I'm going to send our guy who just does the spacers, but we've debriefed him on how our implant works, all the extraction stuff. He's going to be there for you. I would have been perfectly fine with that. Hey, I understand. I understand. You can only be in one place at one time, but just communicate, right? Yeah. Don't throw me into a surprising situation where I'm expecting you to be there and then you're just not. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah. For the most part, people aren't unreasonable. It's when it seems like someone is abandoning you or the patient, that's when things get kind of dicey. Thank you, Dr. Karim. All right, guys, look out for part two of this podcast episode next week. Happy selling out there. I'm going to leave you with a few words to carry along with you until next week. Unity is strength. When there is teamwork and collaboration, wonderful things can be achieved.